What is up, everybody, and welcome to Tailgate Talks, powered by the nation. Today is Thursday, November 16th, and you're listening to episode number 205. Today, we are discussing Texas Tech win over number 16, Kansas. We're previewing uh, our Texas Tech Senior Day versus UCF this weekend, and a little bit of basketball talk this week, so lots to get to. Lots to discuss this week and to catch everything we're doing here at Tailgate Talks as the football season comes to a close and as basketball season ramps up. Make sure you are following us. Follow us on Apple. Follow us on Spotify. Give us those five stars. Five stars for the Tailgate. And if you listen to us on Apple, we always appreciate those reviews. Also, follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at Tailgate underscore Talks. That's where we do most of our posting and interacting. But we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and a YouTube channel. And lastly, if you have anything to email us, any questions, comments, anything you want us to discuss on the show, you can always email us at TailgateTalksPod at gmail.com. So with all of that said, let's go ahead and get into this week's episode. We're going to start this thing off right. Well, Dustin, it was not a pretty game on Saturday by any means. It was a defensive struggle in Lawrence, Kansas, but the Texas Tech Red Raiders get the job done getting a 16 to 13 victory over the 16th ranked Kansas Jayhawks. The Kansas Jayhawks pulled the Zach Hitley there in the early, I think it was like the end of the first quarter, second quarter. They kept running Jason Bean, even though he got hurt. Um, he exits the game and they have to play a true freshman quarterback, much like you had to against Kansas state who had never thrown a collegiate pass um, for the rest of the way. And, uh, you survive with a last-minute drive to kick the extra, uh, kick the field goal to get you that 16-13 lead and get the win. So, uh, Texas Tech moves to 500 on the season now at five and five. Dustin, your thoughts on the win against the Kansas Jayhawks? Yeah, you said it right. Struggle, defensive, reminded me a lot of the Iowa State game last year, just without the cold, crappy weather. Yep. Um. You scored at the end to basically win it and seal it, but you thought going into it first quarter, first half, that you were just going to be able to run right through them. You got 10 quick, easy points. Like, all right, this is going swell. You go into halftime up 10-0, even then you're like, all right, this is good. Larger lead than (laughs) 10-0. Could have had a 17-0 and threw a bad interception from what I remember. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, triple coverage. One of that's Barry's, right. Like, okay, into triple yeah, coverage. been a f- quite a few days since this game, so didn't watch any highlights. But yeah, that was a bad throw. Uh, we'll talk about Baron in a little bit, but yeah, second half was different story. You let them back in it. Offense didn't come out of the locker room at halftime. Yep. They just didn't play to the last forty seconds of the game, so that was very frustrating. Uh, but. Overall, yeah, glad to win road games, conference road games, especially against a ranked team. Very rare, very tough. So great overall win at the end of the day. Yeah, at the end of the day, 
a win is a win. Uh, that was kind of yes. the theme of the weekend for Tech. It was uh, no uh, doubt all sports. It was no necessarily very pretty wins, but um, you got the job done. You made the plays that you needed to, and when when you needed to have an offensive drive to to get the score there at the end to win the game, you were able to make those plays. But you know, ultimately, once you once they lost Bean for the rest of the game, I, I thought that this should have been an easy win. Yeah. Uh, and your offense just never really did anything to put this one away. Like you mentioned, you had the had the game at ten to nothing. You started off great, felt like this was going to be an easy one for your offense, and then you know Baron just throws a horrible pass yeah. uh, into triple coverage, one that he didn't need to throw at all. He could just thrown it out of bounds. Instead, he throws an interception. Um, you know, you lose. You don't get the points there. If even if they would stopped you, that you were in field goal range, it would have been yep. thirteen nothing. Um, and then in the second half, like you said, the offense just stayed in the locker room, didn't show up like rabbit gets a pick for you. And, and, and all you're able to make get do off that is get a field goal. Like, and you were already in field goal range when he, he made the pick. So, um, that was your only other points in the second half other than the game winning field goal. Uh, and, and it felt like a lot of performances you've seen throughout the season felt a little bit like Wyoming where you get a good start. And yeah. then after the kind of scripted plays, uh, are done. The offense can't do anything. Um, and while Taj Brooks was good, once Kansas finally sold out on the run and stopped the run, you weren't really able to move the ball at all. Passing it, uh, Kitley loves the wide receiver screens that do absolutely nothing. And so uh, it was a struggle. Uh, defense did exactly what they had to do once again for you. And it was yeah. one of those games where you're watching Kansas kind of drive at the end of the game. And you're like, shit, are we going to lose this to the third string quarterback at Kansas? Um, and, and luckily they were able to hold the hold them to get the, the field goal there and gave you the chance to win. But ultimately a win is a win. You're back to 500 on the season and now two games to go to get bowl eligibility. So you'll take that. Um, but yeah, offense, let's dive a little bit more into that. Uh, Baron was uh, 19 or 25 for 176. When you see the 19 for 25, you're like, Hey, that's good. But only for 176, that's, <laughs> that's not what you want there. Um, Taj Brooks, 33 carries, like to see that for 133 yards and a touchdown. Uh, once again, no receivers over 100 yards. Uh, Jaran Bradley was your leading receiver, four for 91. So those are your offensive leaders this game. Dustin, your thoughts on on Kitley and what this offense did uh, to a Kansas defense that really wasn't that intimidating. <laughs> no, and especially like we said when you started off, just running it up the middle for with Brooks for five yards. It was very easy, and you went away from that, I feel like, too much. I know 19 for 25 it doesn't seem like a lot, but could have been way less and just keep feeding Brooks and, like, truck your way down the field, milk the clock, like, score more points. Like, it was a very frustrating second half to watch whatever we were doing, and especially when we come out yeah. of the locker room and go three and out with three passes. That's just mind-blowing. Um, but I can't believe like we did nothing. And then with 30 seconds on the clock, we're like, Oh, okay. We figured out how to do yeah. this all of a sudden. And boom, 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 three passes down the field. We're ready to go. Um, that one was kind of the backbreaker for me on Kitley. I've been kind of backing him up for the most part and wavering a little bit lately. And that game was very tough to swallow. Um, if he's our offense coordinator next year, um, things would have to be drastically different these next two, maybe three yeah. games for that to change for me. So, um, and Baron still doesn't look quite 
all there. Help, yeah. So, I mean, I know an eighty percent barren or whatever is better than what we have. So we're gonna put him out there. We got to still quit running him. Jesus, yeah. I don't know what it is with offense coordinators nowadays that don't care about their quarterback's health. Because, like you said, Candace didn't care either. And like nineteen for twenty-five, one seventy-six, pretty. It's okay, but like the interception at the goal line with three dudes there playing rock, paper, scissors, see who gets to catch the interception. Cause it was up floating so long. Like that just, I don't know. Things need to be way more efficient and better. Cause we got a shootout on our hands this next week. Yeah. It's kind of like every time Baron takes a step forward, he kind of has yeah. one of these games where he's injured and, and, and I don't know. It, 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 it didn't look injured on that last drive when he was just slinging it and yeah, moving it down the field. And so that's like the confusing part for me. Um, yeah, there's just no aggression and there's no explosiveness to this offense. No. Like, yeah, you're, that's kind of happens when you run the football, but I feel like, like the second half Kansas state completely sold out to stop the run. They knew that was like the only way that they, that we were going to be able to beat them is if they stopped the run and they did a pretty good job with containing Taj there in the second half. The problem I have with Kitley is just, he once a defense figures something out, he just kind of lets that happen. Yeah. And I feel like that's a weak offensive coordinator thing to do. It's just like, oh, they're going to stop the run, so we're just not going to run the ball. He doesn't get creative with it. He doesn't try to get Taj the ball out in space. He doesn't try to run it outside uh, the box. It's always just like runs right up the middle. It's like either. he only has the right Tecmo Bowl or, yeah. list of six plays. Yeah. It's either halfback dive up the middle, maybe something <laughs> to try to get to the right or left side of the line, but it's never anything to like try to get him outside in space, which watching Taj Brooks in space is fantastic. The way he makes defenders miss tackles and the way he's able to run through some of the smaller guys in the secondary, like that's where you want him. And he just doesn't do it. He just doesn't do it. He's like, all right, they're stopping the run. So we're just going to not give the ball to Taj. Or if we do give the ball to Taj, we're just going to keep running it up the middle and he's only going to get a couple yards. Um, so that's the part I find very frustrating. And then the pass game, it's just, it's not creative. It's not explosive. It's easy to defend. It's wide receiver screens. Um, and, and it's nothing down. The I'm field. sick of it's wide nothing, receiver I, screens. that like, don't go anywhere. I'm, it's awful. It's awful. It's like the, your first play of the second half was a wide receiver screen for four yard loss. And you're already like, all right, well, this drives pretty much over. Um, <laughs> And, and that's the frustrating part for me is like, there's nothing attacking the middle of the field. There's nothing attacking downfield. Um, and, and it seems like it's really easy for a defense to settle in and, and kind of figure out this passing game. And so for me, it's just, uh, yeah, I, I don't really know. He's got to show a lot over these last two games. I, I really think. And, and I don't know what the selling point is for next year. You know, you've got Michael Hudson coming in and I keep saying this over and over again, but, you have one receiver go over 100 yards all season. Like Michael Hudson's not coming over here to have three catches for 46 yards, you know, in a game. He's coming here to put up some numbers and try to get to the to the NFL. And this passing game isn't going to do that. Second half drives. We had quite a few of them because Kansas also couldn't move the ball. Yeah, it's a Big Ten game out here. We had 11 yards, eight yards, 22, 33. 18, 19, and then our 63 yards in four plays. Yeah. So one, two, three around 20 yards, an eight and 11, and a 33. Yeah. Not yikes. Not what you expect from from this guy who's coming in boasting 50 burgers and everything like that. That's just, uh, I don't know. It's just, 
very frustrating to me and I don't really see any creativity from him and I don't see any sort of things yeah. that make me really believe that he can get an offense going like I, I just like yeah running with the ball is going to lessen those passing numbers um, but running the ball as much as we do should set up the passes better to set up play action and take shots downfield you just don't do it you just don't do it your play action is like a little play action and then get it out to the wide receiver where there's only one wide receiver blocking for him and there's three defenders over there uh, it just makes no sense to me. And so, I don't know. It's been frustrating all season on this offense. And um, this was yet another kind of one of those those experiences watching this game where, like, shit, defense is going to hold them to under 20 points and you might lose. Um, and, and that's just – that's inexcusable to me. Defensively, yeah, they held Kansas to 13 points. Sure, it was their third-string quarterback. But this is an offense that we talked about a lot with their running backs, Devin Neal and – uh, High Shaw, who are really good running backs. You were shutting down Jason Bean before he got hurt. What was your thoughts on the defensive performance on Saturday? Uh, yeah, kind of a little mixed bag of things because I didn't think they <clears throat> forced the hand of Kansas very well with the freshman, inexperienced quarterback, uh, Cole Bullard. Like nine for yeah. 21, 24 is not great, but. They didn't. He forced. He got one interception late, but like everything else is kind of fine. Like, like gave him time. Like we didn't bring crazy blitzes at him. I didn't think enough. Like I feel like we just all right. You're in quarterback. We'll let you do your quarterback thing. So that was frustrating. But I mean, that's been our story all all year. Is we can't get pressure on a quarterback. So whatever. But Devin Neal, nineteen for one thirty-seven was. I guess that's good because he's pretty solid. Um, yeah, most of it came on that one touchdown. He had a long of 60 also. So Yeah. Yeah, that was that one play got loose. Other than that, yeah, I felt like you kind of contained this rushing game pretty well. Yeah. It was, um, and you were hitting hard for a lot of times too. Yeah. Yeah, the passing defense was what was kind of frustrating at times when you'd have you know, third and longs or, or uh, situations where you just let them let this freshman quarterback complete uh, some pretty good passes. You had the drive probably was the the drive of the game where they, yeah. you know, Baron throws the pick. They have the ball at the one yard line. They have to go 98, 99 yards. This is that freshman's first drive. Freshman. It's his first drive. He leads them all the way down the field, down to the one yard line. And you get the fourth down stop, yep. <laughs> uh, which, you know, was a huge momentum game changer for you right there. Instead of going to the halftime 10 to seven, it's 10 to nothing. Yeah. And, and, you know, but still in the second half, they were able to get those drives. They were driving down the field to beat you. And mm-hmm. luckily you came up with a, a red zone stand. Um, luckily, thanks to a or I mean. You know, they missed the offensive pass interference there at the end. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you got the stop, held them to the field goal. But they were still able to tie the game with this freshman quarterback, which is, you know, kind of inexcusable to me. I, it, but still, Ben, don't break. You, you held them to 13 points. It's hard to get too mad at a defense that is able to hold the team to just 13 points. Like, you expect to win that game pretty easily. Um, but, you know, another uh, game he had to sweat, but you get the win. Uh, anything defensively else that you wanted to talk about here? Yeah, that 98-yard stand, I guess you would call it. <laughs> it's kind of weird to say all that in once, but that 98-yard drive and then stand at the one was the – we were talking at my house. Like, that was the pivotal moment 
of the game. Yeah. Like that was a backbreaker for either side. If we would have given up a 99 yard touchdown drive on Ballard's first drive down the field, made it really easy for them to score. And it's 10 to seven. They got all the momentum. We feel like crap, but yeah. we get the stop. And now we switch that momentum very fast and it's all ours now. So like that was the pivotal moment of the game for sure for this defense and for the, for the team. Yeah. Uh, and definitely one of those drives you're going to look back on if you get to ball eligibility yeah. of like, that's kind of one of those big drives that you were able to get to stop there and it helped kind of propel you to that win. Uh, Cause if they're able to score there, who knows how the rest of the game would have right. gone. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it was pretty impressive for them to get that stop. You know, rabbit gets a pick there in the second half. So you're able to get a turnover, um, you know, e- evens out the turnover battle with, uh, with them. Um, but ultimately, Texas Tech gets the job done, gets the win, and that means Club Red is open. We failed to open up Club Red after a TCU game. I think everything was all jumbled up with how we were recording and everything. So yeah, we forgot to do right. it there. But we will not forget to do it here as Texas Tech makes it to 500 on the season. Club Red is open. Somebody turn on some damn Dustin, who are you nominating for your offensive club red VIP? I want to go with Jaron Bradley. I mean, supposed to be our stud receiver this year, and he showed up in this game four for 91 and really two massive catches in that last 26-second drive. The very first play was a 16-yarder down the field, and then the very last play was a 33-yard kind of bomb for us down the field to get us to the 12 and set us up for the game-winning field goal. So, Jaron Bradley gets my my VIP pass. Yeah, good pick. I got to go with the easy one here because I don't think anybody else offensively really no. did anything worth <laughs> note mentioning other than Taj Brooks, who, once again, goes for under, over 100 yards rushing with 133. Got our only touchdown of the day. So, um, yeah, when you look at the, all the offensive numbers, uh, Bradley was your leading receiver. Yep. Barron, I don't think, did anything too special to get the nod. Uh, so I think it's got to be Taz Brooks yeah. uh, in in the club. So those are our offensive VIPs. Bradley Brooks defensively. Dustin, which way are you going for your defensive VIP? I like what C.J. Baskerville was bringing right. on the defensive side. He moved to state, got moved to safety last week for the TCU game after the bye week. And he was coming out hitting during this Kansas game. Kansas fans were upset with how hard he was hitting. (laughs) They were all legal hits. They were all legal hits. No targetings on the field. And he led your team in tackles in this game. So he's bringing the wood and leading in tackles. So CJ Basquero gets my defensive. Yeah, that's a good pick. Um, Yeah, there are a lot of Kansas fans were mad and – Man, I just watch those hits. Like, yeah, they're hard hits, but they're all legal. Like, yeah. he is shoulder up. He is in good legal tackling position. And that's that's pretty impressive for a guy like that to be able to, to have that, you know, kind of restraint and, and yep. make sure that you're in legal position when you're making those tackles. So, shout out to him. I'm between two guys right now. Um, it's two guys that I really want to mention. I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with rabbit. I'm going to go with rabbit here. We'll do this. Our safeties uh, combined in because rabbit gets our one turnover of the game. That's helped set you up for a uh, field goal that made it 13 uh, to nothing at the time. So um, I'll, I'll give it to rabbit. My honorable mention was going to be Tony Bradford who had 
um, yes, you know, one and a half sacks on the game. Um, and so anytime you have a guy with the only sack, time we get pressure is with our defensive tackles. <laughs> yeah. Not all these edge rushers that we were praising, uh, before. Um, so our, uh, defensive, uh, secondary, the safeties back there, CJ and rabbit getting the call for our, uh, defensive VIPs. And then, uh, I think everybody in the special teams unit gets yeah. into the club, uh, for this game, you know, Gino Garcia, uh, three field goals on the day, hitting you know game a game winning field goal as well. Uh, Austin McNamara just constantly always the best hitting teams inside the ten yard line, just consistently doing that. Um, and so, yeah, shout out to special teams units. They they are all in club uh, red this week with that performance. Our prediction recap: our scores from last week. Dustin did predict Texas Tech to win. Uh, he did have the score being a lot more, 34 to 30. Shoot. Um, but our closer prediction there, I had Kansas winning 38 30. Um, so both of us a little on the high end on the score, as this ended up being a defensive battle, which was funny because uh, your friend Jill was in town when we were yep. uh, kind of had Illinois and Indiana, a Big Ten game on the other screen. That one had so much more scoring than Way more. Game. It was. It was kind of kind of funny to watch a Big 12 game look like a Big 10 game and a Big 10 game look like a Big 12 game. But um, offensively, Dustin had Taj going for 160 yards. I had Taj going for 130. He had 133 yards. Um, so I was correct on that one. Uh, definitely looked like Taj was going for 160 yeah, yards for the first and they robbed drives. Us. And then uh, they were able to kind of figure out how to stop him. Uh, Dustin's defensive prediction is he had us holding them under 40% on third downs. They completed 46% of their third downs, so close. Um, I had us holding Devin Neal under 100 yards. He had 137. Um, a lot of that came coming on that 60-yard touchdown run. Yeah. Um, so decent job prediction-wise this week. Texas Tech gets the win, and now it's time to shift our focus over to the last home game of the season, and that is versus the UCF Knights. It's a new Big 12 opponent that Texas Tech gets to face on Saturday at 4 p.m. at the Jones for Senior Day and for a chance to get bowl eligibility uh, for the second straight season. Uh, I think I saw somewhere else if you win this game, it would also secure a winning record right. in the Big 12 uh, for the second straight season, which I think the last time you did that was 2008 and 2009. Yep. So a lot at stake for the Red Raiders here on Saturday. Uh, Dustin, your thoughts on taking on the UCF Knights for the first time as Big 12 Conference folks? Yeah, I don't know what to think of UCF. Um, I guess similar to how you're going into the Kansas game because they have a lot of firepower, a lot of fast kids out of Florida. Ghost Malzahn, you know, used to be it. Yeah. SEC coach, very good. Auburn. Experienced coach. So playing in the Big 12 is not any different for him. Uh, they're five and five. So they're playing for a bowl game also. Yeah. It's like, I don't think we need to forget that. Like, it's just our day. We're playing for it. Like, so are they? They're only two and five in the Big Twelve, though. They want a big five-game losing streak earlier, but just waxed Oklahoma State last week. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you'll go. You got the list of individuals, but like they have the number two offense in the Big Twelve, so defense gonna have to step up here. I mean, almost five hundred yards of offense. 
260 through the air, 230 rushing. Now, a lot of that came with a 290-yard rushing game against Oklahoma State. So maybe a little inflated, but hey, well, 500 yards a game is massive and averaging, oh, what was it, 34 points a game when you're only averaging about 29. So like, this can be like an old school Big 12 type feel of a game. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's exciting. It's always it's fun to have uh, a new school new come school. and play here in the Jones. Those new, you know, the gold and black colors. It'll be good to see them. New colors. Malzahn <laughs> over on the sideline. I know a lot of UCF fans have bitched about Lubbock and not want to go to Lubbock. I hope the ones that do come uh, have a good time out here uh, and, and enjoy the experience. But, yeah, like you said, this is a team that, if you look at all their games, there are a lot of high-scoring games. Yes. Um, um, you know, they, they they were close to Oklahoma, almost pulled off an upset against Oklahoma in Norman. Uh, right now they're on a two-game winning streak. They finally beat uh, a Big 12 foe in Cincinnati, and then they beat – they dominated Oklahoma State at home. Yeah. So they're coming in uh, kind of at the high point of their season. Uh, and like you said, lots, lots to play for this week to get bowl eligibility for them uh, and also for them to, you know, try to, to make sure that this – their first season in the big 12 ends on some good notes. And so, you know, beating Oklahoma state and then coming into Lubbock and beating us would, would be some big wins for those guys. And so uh, they're going to be playing with a lot of passion. You're going to be playing with a lot of passion as it is senior day. And you've got a lot of guys who are big players for you on both sides of the ball who are going to be emotional and wanting to get this win and make sure that the last time that they play at the Jones is, uh, is a, a winning game for them that they don't leave this uh, with a loss and so lots to play for uh and, and really you know for me as as kind of a disaster as this season's gone compared to what we thought yeah like a win and securing that bowl eligibility oh. is, is a step in the right direction considering like you were three and five a few weeks ago and and bowl eligibility seemed kind of impossible no doubt at that time and so uh, to be able to do that would would be huge uh, and, and just kind of show a lot about how this team fights, uh, how this coaching staff fights uh, despite things going wrong. They could have quit, packed it in and said, hey, maybe next year. But, hey, they're still here with a chance to end the season with uh, uh, several wins. And so something about November and Joey McGuire, he, uh, he hasn't lost as a head coach for the Red Raiders in November uh, so far in his career. Let's hope that that stays the same um offensively dustin uh, uh coming off of a struggle against the kansas jayhawks um we know we don't know how baron's feeling completely right um he definitely looked a little bit injured but as we mentioned there was still some pop on that last drive so it seems like he's going to be able to get the job done passing um and you're facing ucf defense that has given up a lot of points they give up about 200 yards through the air they almost give up about 200 yards on the ground which is a eye-popping number uh so what do you think we need to see from this offense are we copying and pasting what we have said about the tcu and the kansas game for this week (laughs) god i hope so i just hope we can execute like we did during tcu and not second half of kansas because like you just said the ucf defense Gives up 400 yards, 205 through there, 196 on the ground. That's so much. That's a lot. And you have the best running back in the Big 12 and ready to eat. Don't don't take food off his plate this game. Like, yeah. 
let Baron throw what he needs to, but keep feeding Taj and maybe try to get creative with it. But that's going to be the key is what can we get on the ground and maybe hold the ball, play takeaway and efficiency type football. Yeah, I think it's dominate the line of scrimmage, get get a lot of first downs for Taj Brooks, uh, feed him the ball, get a lot of touches, run the clock, own the time of possession, um, and not really give their offense a chance to to do a whole lot. Like, yeah, we, we've seen some eye-popping numbers. Like, we saw it with TCU. We saw it with Kansas. We're like, oh, these are defenses that you're going to be yeah. able to run the ball on. This is probably the one that you're going to be able to run the ball Even on. Even more. Uh, the easiest. And so – um, I kind of expect a career day for Taj here. It would be fitting as it's probably going to be his last game too at the Jones. Um, and so, uh, yeah, you got to feed the rock to him. But I, I do want to see us like, it, you know, it's easy to give Taj the ball 30 times. Kitley's shown that he can do that. I just want to see some more from this passing offense. I want to see us attack the middle of the field, uh, be aggressive in the passing game and, and enough with these little wide receiver screens. Like, yeah. You got to get the guys the ball down the field um and and help Taj you know don't make help Taj carry me. the whole entire team on his back like we know he can do that but you've got to pick him choose the right times to to do some play action take some shots downfield get it to your receivers and, and not just give it to them uh on these wide receiver screens that don't seem to work so uh, I'm looking for this offense to be explosive in this game um to be a pretty balanced like we've seen that it can do when we're playing at the jones against a team like tcu to have uh baron be complimentary of this running game have the com- running game be complimentary of baron in the passing game so we'll see uh, what kitley does it's his last chance to show out uh in front of the home crowds for this year so it'll be uh interesting uh defensively we come into this game facing uh an, a ucf offense that has uh, put up a lot of yards, put up a lot of points. John Reese Plumley has missed time uh, due to injury, but he is back and been healthy the last several weeks for UCF. Uh, he has put up 1,500 yards passing, 11 touchdowns, seven interceptions on the season. He's also rushed for 331 yards and four touchdowns. He's their third leading rusher. Um, rushing, it's going to be the popular thing in this game as UCF's best player is probably their running back in R.J. Harvey, who's a another Big 12 running back over the 1,000-yard threshold this season with 1,082 yards. He's got 12 total touchdowns, uh, so it should be fun watching Taj and R.J. go at it uh, in the running games this week. Um, UCF's leading receiver, Javon Baker, comes in with 37 receptions for 790 yards and five touchdowns, so that's kind of what you're going up against offensively. Uh, Dustin, what do you think the defense needs to do on Saturday to help get the win? Yeah, like you mentioned, they're very – balance type stuff like jrp good passer he's experienced rj harvey over a thousand yards von baker 700 yards they have another receiver kobe hudson over 700 yards also yeah so i mean this isn't a you know pin your ears back stop the run or go get to the quarterback type game you got to do a little bit everything in this game which maybe plays to our favorites we're pretty well balanced across the defense so Try to get some pressure on Plumley for once. Um, but it's going to be the same thing. Ben, don't break. UCF wants the big, big play, quick score type yeah. stuff. Use their speed. Um, so, going to be tough matchups on the outside for that stuff. So, we can't let Baker and Hudson like, get behind us, get deep, get open um, for some big, big pass plays, really. That's my biggest key. 
Yeah, that, that's it's also kind of a copy paste on the defense for a lot of these games too. They come in with like a, a running back who's really good. It's something that you're used to. TCU yeah. really good running back. Kansas really good running back. Where you've struggled is the passing game, and yeah, that that for me is the key to this one is to limit them when they are throwing the ball down the field because like you've done done it enough you've shown that you can stop these good running backs it's just these teams coming in and, and they're able to pass the ball on you yep. um and so if you're able to limit that and, and continue to play good solid run defense like you have the majority of the season uh you're going to set yourself up for success you're going to get the, their offense off the field get it back to your offense or hopefully they're feeding taj and running the ball and running clock and, and that spells a recipe for success uh for for us on saturday but um but yeah, you know, John Reese Pumley is a, a veteran QB yep. who, who knows and understands what Gus Malzahn is trying to do on this offense. He's got a lot of guys that he trusts. They've got two wide receiver weapons who, um, you know, that's that's nice to have two different comfort blankets that he can throw the ball to. Uh, and so that's probably going to be how they're going to want to beat you is to use those two guys to get open on you, create some running room for RJ Harvey uh, and, and beat you that way. And then also you got to respect Plumley's running. Uh, no doubt. Uh, his running ability, uh, and we've seen that with quarterbacks in the past who can run. That's that's how they get you is they're able to scramble, uh, pick up some of those third downs where you feel like you got to stop, and those are the back, back breakers on those types of drives. Um, anything else about this game that you're wanting to touch? Any any points that you think we missed that we need to? No, we hit all my notes, man. Well, it is senior day on Saturday, so yeah, yeah. we will be saying bye to a lot of familiar faces that we've gotten to watch over the the last several years, guys like Jalen Hutchings, Tony Bradford, Taj Brooks, most likely, uh, Tyler Shuck, Rabbit. There's several more. I'm not going to mention every single one of them, but Dustin, your thoughts on, on the seniors and and losing guys like Tony Bradford, Jalen Hutchings. Those are the two that stand out the most just because they've been here kind of through all of it. Uh, and and we've just gotten uh, accustomed to seeing them playing uh, every single Saturday over the last like five, six years, five, six years. Yeah. So the crazy thing is some of them are super seniors been here six years. Hutchings and Bradford played a lot. Austin McNamara has played a ton. Uh, probably Brooks's last game too. Like price, Xavier white, man, like lots of dudes yeah. that have been here a long time and have had the ball in their hands and tackling a lot. Like, a lot. That's what's crazy. He's like, they've been here. I mean, I think these guys were recruited by Cliff, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then we're here through the Wells crappy years and then helped help turn around the culture and with what we're doing now. So shout out to those guys for sticking around also um, through some, some rough times and during COVID when they could have left and went back closer to home or whatever. So, yeah, shout out to all of them, though. It's going to be a special day for them Saturday. Yeah, like you said, they it wasn't the easiest time that they've had here. You know, uh, no, uh, it would have been different if they stayed and like it's all been success. It hasn't all been success no. in their time here. And uh, one of the key themes of college sports these days is if you don't have success there, just leave and go somewhere else and find that success. But they stuck around uh, through some tough times. And, um, you know, when you think of the brand kind of going forward and, and, you know, whatever that turns out to be with Joey McGuire gets this on tracks and you start winning games like we thought we were going to be, uh, it'll be these guys who uh, you kind of look back and say you started that, you know, when you think of, of basketball and where basketball is kind of turned into nowadays, you think back to Norrance and you think back to J 
Justin Gray and, and uh, Zach Smith and those guys who were kind of there to get that started. That's yep. if Joey McGuire goes on a run here of several years of, of success, like I'm going to think back to Jalen Hutchings, Rabbit, Tony Bradford, Taj Brooks, uh, and a lot of those guys. Yeah, that's a great comparison. All that. And so um, shout out to these seniors. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch these guys and hopefully they get the job done on Saturday uh, in the season at the Jones with a W and get us to bowl eligibility. Um, Red Raiders and UCF uh, currently uh, the spread is Texas Tech as three and a half point favorites. So let's get on to our predictions here and Dustin for our final home game of the season. Which way are you going? Texas Tech minus three and a half UCF plus three and a half. Got to go with Tech on senior day in the Jones. We've had a great record at home with Joey McGuire. Um, and UCS not one of the big boys in the Big 12 yet that we got to be super scared of. So I think we match up well. We can handle them. And even with three and a half points on the board, I got us winning 34 to 27. I think we can execute. And this game going to come down to who can execute third downs really the best. And then in the red yeah. zone, like both teams can score well. Third downs is – a key for both teams. So that's what it's going to come down to. I think we get a little more. You got 37 on my board instead of 27. 34, 27. Uh, every now and then I, I, I there we go. The Good guys are winning now. Good guys winning. Dustin has Texas tech covering the three and a half point spread. I also have Texas tech covering the three and a half point spread. I don't think we are going to lose on senior day. I no think way. there's going to be a lot of guys playing for a lot of pride and trying to get this ball eligibility and kind of seemingly uh, sh- shape this, the outcome of the season in a little bit better light. And so I think like you've seen the brand kind of show out the last few weeks here uh, of battling. And I think you're going to see that again on Saturday. I think Texas tech gets the win. I'm very close to you uh, as well. In my score, I have us winning 38 to 27. All right. Um, and so I think uh, we're going to have a little bit more comfortable of a win. Uh, but I do think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. I think both offenses come in as you know pretty advantageous in this. But ultimately, like you said, UCF not a team that I fear just yet. They're coming off a big high of their biggest win of the season. Yep. Um, and and you know that was just kind of a crazy game, and I don't think that speaks to how just good UCF is. I just think it just kind of was a crazy weather. Oklahoma State coming off of their high point of the season just kind of collapsed so offensively Dustin uh which prediction route you going offensively I feel like the offensive predictions have gotten pretty uh hard to veer any other direction it is so how many yards do you want to go in on with Brooks here (laughs) I'm gonna say he has a career day so I'm gonna say he breaks his career record I think it's like 170 something yards I'm gonna say on when his last game at the Jones uh, he's going to break that. So uh, I would have to look. I think it's either 172, 177, whatever he had in that Baylor game was his career high. I think he's going to do okay. that. Okay. I mean, I think if we, if we, he gets over 150, we should be set up for offensive yeah. success in this game. So I'll say 150. A defense that gives up almost 200 yards a game doesn't scream like a defense that's going to be right. able to stop Taj. <clears throat> the only thing is is – is Kitley going to be able to figure out different ways to get Taj the ball instead of just running it up the middle? Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I think 150 is is probably what's going to happen. But just for his last game, I'm going to go say he Hell gets yeah. his personal record uh, and end his uh, his career at the Jones on a on the highest point 
Um, defensively, Dustin, another route that's gotten kind of hard to kind of pick because uh, the defensive pressure isn't there um, and the turnovers aren't there. Uh, so which way are you going for the uh, defensive side of the ball here? I'm going to stick with what I did last week in the third down percentage. They're pretty good at it, 48% on third down when we're only a 40% type team. Um, they don't go for it on fourth down as much as we do, obviously. But, I mean, I'm going to put it at like 42% or under on third downs. Conversions for them should be a successful plan um, and execution for us on defense. I don't know that we can get a take three. Um, they have yeah, only no, given up that's... 15 turnovers all year in 10 games, so that's not screaming take three to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to figure out which way I want to go here. I was kind of thinking take three route. Uh, sacks haven't been there. Um, I, it's really hard to say. Rabbit uh, take one. Copy and paste. <laughs> do I want to give RJ Harvey under 100 yards? Can we do that? Um but I'm going to say, I don't know, it's keeping it on the senior theme of guys uh, moving on. Yeah, let's let's say, you know, Rabbit gets uh, gets a gets a turnover. Um, Jalen Hutchings and, and Tony Bradford combined for like a, a, a full sack All or right. something in this game that you um, will we'll do like a combo of that. Kind of what they did in the Kansas game. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let's get those seniors uh, some more loving that they have a good uh, final game for you at the oh, Jones. Yeah. So we'll do just try to keep it simple there, not too crazy. But still, if Rabbit gets a pick, it'll be his third straight game with the turnover. He's kind of on a hot streak on that point. Uh, and like we've said over and over, for some reason, the only guys that can get pressure on our quarterback are our defensive ends, are our, our defensive rushers. Um, and so Tony Bradford. Jalen Hutchings, hope they get that done. So our prediction review, Dustin, has got Texas Tech winning 34-27. I've got Tech winning 38-27. Both of us have Texas Tech covering the three and a half points to get the win on Saturday. Dustin's offensive prediction, um, you have Taj over 150 yards rushing. I'm saying Taj has his career best, which I think is we'll have to go check, which is either over 172 or 177. Basically like over it. 180 yards is what he's going to have to do. Uh, but for his last game at the Jones, I think that's going to happen. Uh, Dustin's defensive prediction, 40, 42% on third downs or less for the defense, which would uh, definitely help the Red Raiders in getting off the field. Uh, I've got a senior a, a senior duo here of, of Jalen Hutchings, Tony Bradford, either getting a sack and then uh, Rabbit creating a turnover on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, so that will do it for our predictions and our Texas Tech discussion for uh, Texas Tech football discussion for this week. But uh, Texas Tech basketball in the Grant McCaslin era has kicked off. So we're going to go to the hardwood and discuss what we've seen from the first two games of the season. Well, Dustin, we got to get out to the USA and check out Grant McCaslin and this new look Red Raiders on um, last week. Uh, let's see what it was a Wednesday night game yes. and a Sunday game that we got to go see. And the Red Raiders start off the season 2-0 and uh, 
uh, with a win over Texas A&M Commerce, a 73-46 win over them, and then a 56-42 win over San Jose State on Sunday. Uh, tonight, uh, we're recording tonight, they take on Texas A&M Corpus Christi, so uh, hopefully we'll be 3-0 and after a recording, so by the time you're listening to this, but uh, Dustin, so we're not going to deep dive them just sure. yet. They've got some important games coming up next week. We'll get a little bit better look at them after the battle for Atlantis, but so far, uh, through the two games, what have you seen that you like? Some things that you don't like so far. Well, Sunday's game, uh, San Jose State was very rough. Yeah. San Jose State's not a walkover cupcake type team either. They get very well coached. So they're pretty solid. Um, AM Commerce game was good, though. But I think you can already tell, you know, two real games and one exhibition game in. We're going to live and die by the three-pointer. Yeah. And A&M game went great. And the San Jose State game went terrible. <laughs> went terrible. So. You didn't make a three to like probably the under four. Uh, it's. Uh, kind of down the stretch there. And maybe that's just this team still gelling together. Some of the guys still getting used to the USA. But. And, you know, a little step up in where they're playing at also. But. That's where I kind of already get a little beat on this team is we're playing, you know, smaller four guard forward type lineups when one big spread the floor and going to live and die by the three pointer. So there's going to be some games where we only score 56 points and might get blown out and we got to deal with it and live with it. So what I do like team wise with the guys brought in on, Speaking of like we're smaller in the lineups, but we handle the ball really well. Like that was a big emphasis of this class and transfers was need ball handlers. So we can get up the floor and run this four out type of offense. So that looks good. At least, I mean, the specific people that I like, I had to pull up the roster because I am still so not used to who is what number on this damn squad. Besides Joe Tucson at number six, because you can't miss him. He's very scary out there. Um, but the, the two favorites I like, the new, especially the new guys, my favorite, favorite guy is number five, Darian Williams. Yeah, Kinda, I think he's been a big fan favorite here to start the season. Well, big is right, because he's way bigger than I thought. 6'6", 225. I think he might be bigger than that, because he looks massive, but moves great through that of Nevada sophomore but i love his game inside outside he can shoot it a little bit he's been really clutch for us and like the numbers aren't there yet but chance mcmillan's still getting a lot of minute minutes guard from can uh grand canyon Z- number zero i mean he was a over 40 percent three-point shooter last year like we said about Kerwin last year but obviously different offensive game plan last year but Dudes don't just forget how to shoot. So, like, stay with him. I think he'll come around and be pretty clutch for us later. So, I love those two guys. Yeah, um, I'll start with, the you know, my thoughts so far this season. I, I definitely think I, I'm kind of confused about the exhibition game now so far from what I've seen offensively. <laughs> yeah. Like you scored 89 points in that A&M game. And uh, everything that I heard from that game, it just hasn't really played out so far for you. Like offense hasn't been as fast. It's been very slow paced on offense. Uh, uh, 
Uh, we really haven't been pushing the ball and trying to get threes or anything in transition so far. Um, and so that kind of is a little bit frustrating to me. I thought, you know, offensively that, that we were going to try to push the pace, but uh, so far in these first two games, that just hasn't been the case. Yeah. And maybe that's because of some of the opponent you're playing or, or maybe you're trying to work on doing some offensive things as you're playing opponents that, you know, you kind of should beat, but um, ultimately that that's kind of been a struggle defensively. You've been great. I, uh, you know, you've held both of these teams uh, to under 50 points. I think you're top five right now in Kim Palm defensive efficiency. So uh, those just, things are going great for you. I just think don't look at the offensive well efficiency when you're looking at Kim Palm. Yeah. <laughs> don't look at the offensive efficiency. That'll get better. Like I think it's easier to, to play defense together when you're still kind of learning how to play with each other. Offense kind of comes later on but ultimately right now like i've been really impressed what i've seen defensively uh from these guys offensively like you said you're kind of living and dying by the three right now you know your first two games you didn't particularly shoot the ball well from three um some of those guys will get going chance mcmillan i think his shot will start falling. yeah uh Darian williams has shown that he can knock down some shots devin cambridge you know it always looks pretty nice when he's shooting uh pop just had a really off game against san jose state uh, where we were trying to see is Dustin going to drink more beers than Pop? Who's going to score? One more point, points? I was ahead. Dustin was ahead for the majority of the game, and then Pop scored points at the end, which isn't fair because Pop can score points and Dustin can't buy beers. So yeah, he couldn't keep up with that. So that you know, but the rest of the day, you might have been able to drink more beers than than Pop scored points. We'll see. Uh, I, I don't know the complete stats on, on how many beers you drink the rest of the day, but anyway, you know. I've liked what I've seen so far from this team. I think like they're still gelling. They're still getting to learn how to play with each other. There's definitely guys that you see a lot of potential with. Um, I've been impressed with Warren Washington at points. And then there's points where I'm like, why are you bringing the ball down low to where everybody yeah. else is? The, I don't know what to call it. Like, I don't know if it's confidence or aggression when he gets the ball down low. It's just not there. Yeah. Or it's fundamental. I don't know. But yeah, he gets a good entry pass and or a rebound, and then he brings it back to his chest or lower for everybody to yep. swat at and play with and whatnot. And it's like, man, quit doing that. Just keep the ball up. You're taller than everybody else on the court. Just keep the ball up. Go back up strong. It's that's been the frustrating part of watching him. And and from what I've heard, is like he was just kind of a, a body at Arizona State, and they didn't really go through him. A I like lot what he's brought for the most the ball, part, though. So. Yeah, like he's been a good rim runner. Um, you know, he's able to, to finish some alley oops, and, and he, you know, started the game strong for you um, there. But you know, you, you're going to have guys like Devin Cambridge. That was his game. You know, he had 15 points, led you in scoring. Yeah, he's solid you have too. A lot of different guys lead you in scoring in different games. Um, but I definitely think like like I've really been impressed with Davion uh, Davion Williams. Uh, yeah, I'm always <laughs> going to get confused. <laughs> Darian Williams. Yeah. Um, I'm always going to get confused with those. We've had so many of those D names throughout the last several years, uh, but I've been really impressed with him so far offensively and defensively. He plays super in control on both sides of the ball. Uh, and, and with his size, he's, a, he's definitely a mismatch on the defensive side of the ball. Cause he can guard so many different positions for you. Uh, Cambridge has been interesting to me the way he kind of plays down low. You're, he's able to get to the rim. He's a really good cutter. I've noticed that a lot. He, he, he's able to cut to the basket and it just, and we have guys who are able to find him. Um, pop, you know, it, you kind of saw the tale of two things. You've seen the good pop and the bad pop early on so far this season. You know, he started off the, the Texas A&M Commerce game great. 
and then he struggled and he was turning the ball over a lot. And then yeah. last game he wasn't scoring, uh, kind of scored some late, but he was your leading uh, rebounder. Uh, he was leading you in assists and he was finding ways to contribute to the game despite his shot not falling. So that's positive to see, uh, see him not just completely take himself out of the game because uh, he wasn't able to score. And so uh, it's an interesting team. It's fun uh, to be back at the USA watching these guys play. Uh, and, and we'll really get a good test here soon as next week is the battle for Atlantis. You play Villanova. Uh, yeah. You've got some other good competition in that I played North Carolina's second game. Might play. Yeah, yeah. Villanova lost the game on the road. So, um, so you know, these are, are going to be winnable games. Can you go in there and how do you play uh, against – you know, good competition. What does this team look like then? And, and maybe right now we're just trying to play close to the chest and then we'll really break things out. Maybe that, that, that week, I don't know, uh, offensively, but I'm just kind of looking at this pace and not seeing anything that I saw that I heard so much about from the A&M game. Yeah. The, the pace I've seen, seen it in spurts a little bit, but I think Sunday when we were possibly like the whole team was hung over or whatever their problem was like, McCaslin's like, all right, we're going to just take foot off gas, slow this down and try to figure out how to just win and get out of here. Yeah. But what me and you have noticed, they are actually running some offensive sets. (laughs) They're not just running three man weave and figure it out BS type stuff that we've kind of gotten accustomed to the last five years. So that's pretty nice to see is we're actually running some different sets with this four out system. Yeah, and, and while the, the game against San Jose State wasn't pretty by any means, like you pulled away there down the stretch and were able to win by d- double figures. Yeah, we had like a 16-2 to two yeah. run or something in the game. Yeah, you finally were able to hit some shots. Joe Toussaint uh, was kind of the leader, the catalyst. That's of that. what you he got him for. Kind of slow things down. And so, um, you know, it, it, it is important to find like kind of win games like that, like games where you're having an off day and – you know, figure it out down the stretch because there's definitely points that in that game are like, are, are we going to lose this game? Are we going to end up a uh, epitome of brutality tweet on John Rothstein or, um, but you know, Joe Toussaint comes up big, Darian Williams comes up big and you come away with a, a, a win there. And so, like you said, San Jose state was no slouch of a team, uh, a lot of veteran guys on that team. And so um, I thought they played pretty, pretty good basketball tonight. Again, you take on another Texas A&M, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, uh, we will be at the USA watching that, and so hopefully you're able to move 3-0 and on the season, and then next up will be the Battle for Atlantis next week. So we'll do an episode before that, kind of previewing that tournament and everything. Uh, anything else basketball-related you want to discuss this week? Nope. Just don't think that Atlantis games next week are home games like some of my friends have thought recently. Yeah, it is, uh, it is a tournament in the Bahamas. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so do not not a home game USA. Uh, they will not let you in and you will not be able to watch the game but go to bars go to places I don't know maybe the games are during work watch during work figure out how you got to watch those games um, but we'll be watching uh, Dustin your final shot uh, for us this week yeah I don't have much obviously Rangers are done so my Rangers segment is over but I guess they're in free agency now and running for Shohei so that's fun to watch uh, but mine is just going to be the NBA mid-season tournament. Their their new in-season tournament. In-season tournament. Their the new courts suck so bad. It's so hard to watch those games. And that was like 
supposed to be the point of these courts is, oh, the courts are different. Some people might stop their TVs and say, what is that? I'll watch. No, it hurts my eyes to watch the Lakers and Phoenix Suns on a court that looks like a damn Wildberry Pop-Tart. So, like, and then, like, the Mavericks court, they didn't even get the dimensions right. <laughs> so they didn't even get to use it. So, like, yeah. that was a – I think the NCAA tournament is going to work. The whole courts thing, leave that alone. Maybe do, like, yeah. a logo in the middle of court. Like, that's fine, but don't mess the rest of the court. Yeah, I get doing something different because you want to make these – the in season tournament games feel different than the regular season. And so like, I don't mind them doing something different with the court. They went too drastic. They went too drastic. There's these bright red, bright blue, green purple. And it's just like freaking hurting my eyes to watch these games. It's like, ah, I I don't, I don't need the courts to look all that crazy. And you can add some color, like maybe make the inside the three point line do that. Um, But the whole freaking court being like, Bright blue, bright yeah. red. Stupid. Yeah. It's an eyesore. <laughs> I have enjoyed it, though. These games have been fun to watch. Like, I, I've got a couple of uh, – catch a few of them. They're playing competitive. The players seem to be – been a lot of fights during the in-season tournament. Uh, yeah, Draymond, <laughs> a lot of chippy, chippiness Obert, going on. Typical Draymond. Lakers got in um, one the other day. Yeah. And so, uh, it, it's been a fun I, – I, I'm curious to see how it grows. I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about how they wish that they were doing in-season tournament games with the Elam ending and how, like, if you really want to make this tournament different, like that would be cool. Uh, Yeah. And I I agree. I think doing something like that or, or just setting, Hey, we're playing to 125 points. However long it takes us to get there. That's what we're playing to. Whether you get there in the third, whether you're getting there fourth, just something to kind of differentiate it from the regular season. Um, but it's been fun so far, um, I think. And, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, what teams make it to the actual finals once they play in Vegas. I'll be there right before it. So um, I'll be be there literally like leaving the day before it happens. So maybe I'll get to see some people Hell yeah. as they descend on Vegas for that. Uh, my final shot will be the Texas Tech women's soccer team. They advanced to the second round of the NCAA tournament with a win over Florida Gulf Coast, a one to nothing victory uh, last week. They uh, play Friday night. So, uh, day that you're listening to this, they play Princeton at the John Walker. So if you have the chance to get out there, there was a pretty good crowd last week. I'm imagining it'll be sold out again, standing room only. So if you can get out there, support the ladies as they continue their NCAA tournament journey, if they win, they would either play North Carolina or Alabama on Sunday at the John Walker in the third round of the tournament. So the last opportunities to watch them play, and then also the Lady Raiders started off their season 3-0. and And so uh, Coach Gerlich and the girls are off to a good start so far this season. So nice. uh, basketball is back. Women are uh, moving on in the soccer tournament. And so keep an eye on those things as, uh, you know, football here is is only a few weeks away from being over. And so uh, the, the uh, basketball sports will kind of take the main stage here soon. So. Uh, that is everything we've got for you guys this week here at Tailgate Talks to catch us uh, the rest of this football season and the basketball season. You got to follow us. Follow us on Apple. Follow us on Spotify. Give us those five stars. Five stars for the Tailgate, please. And if you listen to us on Apple, uh, you can leave us a review there. Also, follow our social media accounts. We're on Twitter at Tailgate underscore Talks. That's where we do most of our posting. Uh, but we do have Instagram, Facebook, and a YouTube channel. Uh, 
And so if you, you know, we've been kind of slow on the YouTube channel here lately, been busy with work and stuff like that. We'll see if we get those videos back out there, but uh, kind of time restricted this week with getting this episode out Friday for you guys. But we appreciate you guys hanging out with us this week, discussing the Kansas victory, getting ready for the last game at the Jones for the season and discussing a little basketball. But as always, we will 